0: All right. This is Gary Parrish again from CBS Sports. It's now Monday, December seventh, and this is, of course, the Iron College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined uh, by Matt Norlander and Sam Facina. We got a lot to get to. First things first, though, Norlander. How's the baby? Have you? Uh, are you still holding on to the idea that um, your life is not over, or have you just conceded and, uh, and and trying to come to come to terms with it?
1: Well, listen. My life and his life have just begun. Oh, wow. Okay? I will concede one thing here, and I do appreciate our weekly Norlander baby updates. Uh, so apparently between weeks two and three is when babies hit a growth spurt, and so that's really, the doctor said, in the first two months of life, the the two to three week period is the one week where he can be the worst just because he's consistently hungry and always temperamental. And there have been two nights where I've been up until about 4.30, but it's cool. I've been able to catch up on Homeland, but yeah, no, my, <laughs> I'm... Life is still grand, but he is definitely beginning to challenge um my idea that I could uh, you know, mostly keep on pace. But hey, listen, we're still we're still keeping a good a good pace overall here. Work has not has not slowed. He just you know I it just he does doesn't give a crap about my life right now and uh nor should he. So and that's
0: not gonna change for a while, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: no, but it it is it is good overall. And by a while
0: I mean too he's like probably like twenty five, twenty six. <laughs>
1: Hi, guys. That's my age.
0: (laughs) Sam, do you give a crap about your parents? Yeah, sure.
2: I think my mom listens to this podcast, so I feel Uh, like I should absolutely say yes. I absolutely care about my parents. I love you, mom. I love you, dad. Uh, And I'm very glad that you brought me
0: up the way that you did. Norlander, are you completely caught up on Homeland?
1: No, uh, I am only three episodes in, so quick spoiler for the next 20 seconds if anyone hasn't watched this season. I just watched the third episode, because I was really hesitant on it, right. um, because I really the past two seasons kind of dispirited me, but I just watched the episode where Carrie uh, seemingly shoots Quinn when he's got the black <laughs> yeah. jacket on, and then he maybe chokes her out to end the episode. So that's all, yeah. I, uh, it's going to take me another week or two to catch up, but it seems pretty decent so far. So I'm I'm, I'm re-engaged and uh, excited about the show again after the last two seasons where we're it's, kind of inconsistent. It's
0: fine. It's it's fine. That's what it is. I watch it out of habit now. I just remember watching the first season and like I binge watched it. I didn't watch it. It was
1: before. so gripping that first season.
0: Like I couldn't wait to watch the next episode. Like I, would, I, I think I watched the whole thing in like two days. And yeah. um, these, I don't have that same sort of uh, anticipation. I just – I watched them when I – you know, when I have a few minutes, when I'm on a plane, um, when I wake up in the middle of the night with nothing else to do. Uh, but I don't I don't love it. I watch. It's fine. It's perfectly yeah. reasonable television, but there's nothing great about it. It's, Sam, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, hey, it's a basketball podcast. Let's talk basketball for just a couple minutes. We can get back to uh, Showtime and HBO <laughs> in a second. Uh, so Gonzaga got a, uh, a win over UConn, but they have losses to Texas A&M, and then they took a, a home loss uh, on Saturday to Arizona. Like, that game— uh like it looked like it was going to get out of hand early like they were up double digits like you know six seven minutes into it and you know arizona's operating without one of its best freshmen arizona's operating without Caleb Tarzuski, and yet they go into the kennel and get a win and one of the interesting things um that i've noticed is that when i talked to mark few in the preseason he said, "Listen, we're very good in the in the in the front court. Our and it, 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 you know, Karnowski didn't play Saturday. I guess that should be noted. But he said, you know, we're very good in the front court. Those guys are legit. But he said it, we're talented in the back court, but they th- they're throwing it all over the court all the time. He said we mm-hmm. had senior guards who took care of the ball, and now we've got maybe more talented guards, but and more certainly more athletic guards, but they just throw it all over the court now. And, and we've got to get that resolved. So you look at it right now." Last year, they turned the ball over on 16.1% of their possessions. That ranked 28th in the country. This year, they're turning it over on 21% of their possessions. That ranks 286th in the country. So I know there's uh, more issues with the Zags, but that one, the one Mark Few was worried about, seems to be uh, an issue, at least in this early season. Sam, I know you've watched them. What do you make of uh, Gonzaga? you worried about them at all?
2: Um, right now I'm worried about them. I'll say that uh, they're not very good right now. The backcourt isn't strong enough to carry the load. I mean, what Arizona did is they just started to, uh, basically, Show doubles at Kyle Wilcher and show doubles at Damanis Sabonis, and they really started to rotate hard out to uh, Wilcher whenever he was popping out to try and get some space for his jump shot. Uh, If you can take Kyle Wilcher out of the game for Gonzaga, and that's obviously a lot easier said than done, uh, the backcourt right now just can't beat you uh, in any way, shape, or form. I mean, that backcourt went one for 11, In the second half of their game against Arizona, they had a bunch of turnovers. Josh Perkins, uh, he's getting there. I mean, you can tell the talent is there. He's a really good athlete. He has a really good vision, but it's just not... Things aren't adding up yet, I would say, in a way to where uh, they're going to really beat good teams right now. Uh, uh, guard play is one of the most important things that you can find uh, on a college basketball team, just because you need consistency out of those players, especially whenever you have uh, a front court dominated team, just because you know that you need someone who can get the ball to those front court players in a, uh, in a very good position to score. Uh, and right now, Gonzaga's guys can't do that. I will say that I think the Karnowski loss is a little bit bigger than, uh, than, than you would initially think. Karnowski's by far their best defensive player, uh, in my opinion. He's an incredible rim protector. He might be one of the best in the country. Uh, teams shoot an incredibly low percentage whenever he is near the rim. So uh, I think that if he is there, they probably win that game. But without him, I mean, it's you, you still have Kyle Wilcher and Devana Savonis. You should be able to carry the load, uh, but they couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, on paper, if they were going to be what we thought they should be, they should be undefeated right now, right? They should have knocked out Texas and m on a neutral, and you've got to beat a shorthanded Arizona team uh, at home. They were favored by like eight and a half, nine points in that game. So they they certainly yeah. – it, it's a missed opportunity. And for them, and this is just a, sort of the nature of league affiliation – um, you, you, I don't want to say you can't afford to miss opportunities, but in terms of seeding for the NCAA tournament, you can't afford to miss these opportunities because, um, you can't get those, those games back. Like, you know, AM's a top 40 Ken Palm team. Arizona's a top 20 Ken Palm team. Um, they only have one top 50 Ken Palm team on their schedule the rest of the way. I guess not. They play a February game against SMU. So there's two, you get uh, yeah. UCLA this coming up weekend and then SMU in February. Uh, so, uh, two of their top four games are already off the schedule, or uh, 3 of their top 5. Well, let's put it that way, are already off the schedule and they've lost they've lost 2 of them. So, it's not an ideal start.
2: Yeah, and then I'll I'll also note that the West Coast Conference this year is particularly down. Right. Uh like like it's not just though so, you know, like it's the typical West Coast Conference, like the West Coast Conference last year was actually pretty strong. Uh, it had a top 50 team in BYU. It had another top 100 team in St. Mary's uh, and Pepperdine was right around that top 100 range too. Uh this year. I mean, you're talking three. It looks like bottom 100 teams so far in San Diego, Loyola, Marymount and Santa Clara. Um, Pepperdine hasn't been as good as what was anticipated early on. Maybe they can figure it out. St. Mary's is still very young. They've been good so far, but they're still quite young. And, uh, even Randy Bennett, uh, in the preseason, wasn't quite sure what to expect from the team. Uh, BYU hasn't been nearly as good as it was last year. I don't think that's an NCAA tournament team. So there are going to be fewer opportunities even within league to pick up solid wins like let alone those you know high-end wins like the top 50 wins that you need to end up helping your seating and stuff like the top 100 wins aren't even really going to be there in my opinion
0: norlander anything else from the weekend stand out to you that happened on the court
1: yeah um well the providence rhode island game was the best game of the weekend in my opinion uh it was really really good and it was happening as you know as writers we tend to watch these games and try and keep up with uh with twitter just because it's you know it's a, a real time live conversation it's a really fun thing to do that you know fans enjoy as well so that that game was actually happening as a lot of the huge football stuff was happening so i felt like I was the only one really, like even giving a crap about that game, which is understandable, big college football weekend. But it was an amazing game. That's such an intense rivalry. Rhode Island obviously didn't have its star, E.C. Matthews, who was lost for the season, just minutes into their, their opener. But for Providence, it's a huge win. Listen, we— anyone that listens to the podcast, when we talked about Chris Dunn being our number one player in our top 100 and why we didn't pick him to be the national player of the year— It's because we weren't sure how good Providence would be. And here's the here's kind of an interesting thing is we went with Wiltshire because we thought that Gonzaga had a much better case and chance to have a a better resume and be more nationally relevant and ranked and viable than Providence. But right now, you can't say that right now. Providence actually at eight and one uh, has more to its credibility than Gonzaga. At this point, Providence has beaten Arizona and its only loss is to undefeated Michigan State. Overall, it was it was a terrific game. Rhode Island, just a quick aside on them, I still think that they can contend at the top of the A-10, and they will still actually have chances to maybe create an at-large case, but it's certainly that program, man. It, they've had a, a few years over the past 10 or 15 years, and any Rams fans listening, I've got a buddy who actually just is is a huge, huge URI fan, and... I don't know if there are many other programs that have been as, I don't even necessarily want to say snake bitten, but they simply just can't seem to catch breaks in years where they should be good. They either fall short and teams underperform or stuff like this happens. So I know that a lot of uh, Rhodey fans are already dispirited by how the season started. But for Providence, listen, great start, and it's not just done. Uh, Ben Bentiel might be one of the most improved players in the entire country. He's their only legitimate big man that they have, and for him to have played that well when the scouting report at this point has got to be pretty blatantly obvious when you're going against Providence. I mean, Rodney Bullock, yes, he can shoot, but he's not been he's not been utterly lights out. He's not taking a ton of threes and he's not hitting them at a high clip. But it's somehow try and stop and contain Chris Dunn, which is near impossible. And then you got to try and you know face up with Bentiel and, and force him into some sort of uncomfortable position, stepping away from the hoop. But guess what? He's now proving that he can He can even step out and shoot a little bit as well. So I'm not seeing a situation where Providence blows this, okay? I think we're looking at a situation where the Big East, big picture, is probably going to be in good position to have five teams into the NCAA tournament because Providence has a top-20 resume in college basketball right now. Nova and Xavier are undefeated. Butler only has one loss. And Georgetown, which is 4-3, and three, has the weird Radford loss, but has really, you know, beat Syracuse over the weekend. We can get to that. And it's also defeated Wisconsin. And then other teams have performed well as well. So, in general, the Big East has looked really good. And the win for Providence there, it, when what was, in my opinion, the best game of the weekend, was something that stuck out.
0: No, Providence is... Um You know, I've got them ranked in the top 15. I don't know if they're really one of the best 15 teams in the country, but their resume is, is worthy of Mm -hmm. that right now. They've got three top 50 Ken Palm wins, including one over Evansville and the lone loss. Like you said, it's a neutral court loss to Michigan state that got away from them. So the score looks a little lopsided, but like, if you were watching that game, like six minutes to go, they were up, you know, they no, were, yeah,
2: I, I was at that game. Yeah. Yeah. They were in, they the, were in the game.
0: It just got away from them at the end. So, um, a nice win yeah, for Ed that, Cooley. That was free throws at the end. Right. Uh, it was a nice win for Ed Cooley, which means a, a, a tough loss for Danny Hurley, but, uh, Watch this professional transition. Speaking of Hurleys, uh, yeah. Bobby had a great week last <laughs> week, right? Uh, they, they go and win at Creighton, which, you know, Creighton's not great, but, like, winning at Creighton, like, that, that's, that's, that's a good win. Something then, Oklahoma couldn't do last year. Something Oklahoma couldn't do last year. And then they come home um, Saturday night. I actually got home. I had sideline duty um, at the memphis Semo game. So I got home late that night, and really the only game on was – uh, a and uh arizona state so i turned that on and why, and they they ran they ran a&m at the gym like uh, a&m made a run to cut it to single digits late but then you know uh, arizona state pushed it back to double digits and they got out of there with a 67 54 win um you know the, the top 60 in Kimpom right now they're six and two uh, it took a uh, awful season opening loss to sacramento state but like bobby's doing a good job at arizona state so far right
2: yeah, I absolutely agree with that. This is a team that, you know, even last year, it was a pretty similarly talented team. Right. Uh, I wasn't real high on the talent level on the team, but, uh, you know, I felt the same way coming into this year. I kind of thought that it might take a little while for Hurley, who I think is an incredible coach. Uh, I thought it might take a little bit of time for him to get this group together and maybe by the middle of conference season, they might start knocking some teams off, but I mean, what we've seen from them so far, I mean, this might be an NCAA tournament team. Uh, Savon Goodman's been controlling the paint. Uh, they have a lot of guys who can, you know, knock down some jump shots when necessary and you know that their three point percentage is only 30% right now. But I mean, if, if you do watch that Texas A&M game and if you watch the Creighton game, uh, they got the shooting when they needed it. Trey holder was getting into the paint, uh, and really creating some problems. Uh, same with Cody justice, their other point guard, uh, like wing kind of guy. Uh, it's a really impressive team and it's a really impressive job by Bobby Hurley, who, uh, like I said, like if you look around and, you know, kind of look for who could be the next guy at Duke after coach K, I know that everyone says that, uh, you know, the, the idea is that they'll probably want an assistant, uh, that's been there with coach K, uh, in the past, or is there currently, uh, I don't know. I mean, Bobby Hurley certainly has that, uh, has the Duke ties as the, uh, point guard on the national championship teams and he's in my opinion the best coach of the bunch what do you guys think
0: well i'll, t- I'll tell you like his, his story's interesting I, everybody understands he was a, a, a tremendous college player yeah and then um you know playing w- w- play in the nba and then um you know, he he was completely removed from basketball for a while. Like I think he was yep. in the horse racing business. Like he just didn't uh, didn't seem to have any real motivation to get into the family business of coaching. Of his d- father, of course, being a legendary coach, and his brother. Uh, and then and then Danny hires him, just like all right, you want to get into coaching? Like you could be on my staff. And now it's like boom, go to Buffalo uh, the, the tournament, uh, bounce to Arizona State, and that like he might just be a guy who's uniquely gifted at coaching basketball like you know he's mm-hmm. not somebody who's worked under K for 10 years before he got an opportunity he just sort of all right i guess all right um i'll get into coaching i guess and it has really happened for him very quickly and he's he's you know i just think he's got a uh, i don't know exactly what the skill set is cuz i haven't spent i i've know bobby but i haven't spent that much time around him but quite clearly like he's he, there's something about him like he's good at this you know
1: he's mm-hmm. good um I'm going to I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on Arizona State. They've got a game at Kentucky. Remember right. uh, Buffalo went to Kentucky last year, actually led Kentucky at halftime and Hurley coached that team before the Wildcats woke up and yep. and just dominated the second half. But they this weekend they've got a road game at Kentucky and then they follow that with a road game at UNLV who much to Sam's dismay is actually looking like a fairly competent team this season. If they can win the UNLV game, I think they'll actually be in pretty solid shape. Um, They're still a tricky one against Stephen F. Austin. GP and I, I think, drive that bus and that bandwagon for that program. Well, Stephen F. That, That's one that you know SFA can definitely go in and win. Kentucky SFA UNLV, lost
2: the two lane this year, by the way. Hey, yeah, listen. They're, they're not that good this year, but it's still.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, you're killing my argument right now, Sam. So let's stop. Uh, but no, but winning two of those three, I think, would put Arizona State in a really good chance and uh, position to get to the tournament with an at-large resume, depending on what they do in Pac-12 play. But I agree, they're actually they've been um, kind of an overlooked, nice surprise this season, and and overall, with what the Pac-12 is, I will say the league in general is. I was I said on podcasts we there was one of the most intriguing leagues if not the most intriguing league in the country because there was no clear cut number 1 team coming in we knew that Arizona would have an interesting uh rebuild Oregon has looked nice overall don't get me wrong but between Arizona Oregon Utah UCLA, which defeated Kentucky and what was you know, clearly one of the biggest wins Steve Alford has ever had. And it, there's just no doubt about it. For the UCLA to rebound after only scoring seven points and one half against Kentucky last year, and that's like a notorious game. I think people will reference that Kentucky-UCLA game from 2014, 20 years from now, just because it was startling to see two Blue Bloods have a game so lopsided and it was such a huge national game at the CBS Sports Classic. Then to come back the next year, you see like it's on their home court and they win. It adds to more intrigue within the Pac twelve. I haven't even got to Cal, which, you know, has been inconsistent to this point. So overall, you throw in Arizona State as well. I think we're gonna have just a, a really uh exciting and an unknown race. I, I feel like from now through the end of February with a Pac twelve, you might get a situation where Oregon Maybe separates itself just a little bit. Maybe Cal gets attacked together, and they might be, you know, near the top. But overall, I think from like one to six or seven, I think you're going to constantly be seeing those teams beat up on each other and taking weird wins and weird losses. And we're not going to have like a total picture of clarity in that conference.
0: You know, like I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a great team in the league, but they've got six. Uh, I mean, uh, I think it's nine top sixty kinpom teams right now. Mm-hmm. It strikes me as the type of league that's going to get like six bids. You know, maybe seven, like a like an, like. Be among the, the nation's leaders in, in bids, and then they'll all be gone. No one
1: gets to the Elite Eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah they'll yeah.
0: all yep. be gone. That's, that's, that's what it strikes me as. Yeah.
2: I, I mean, between number 34 and number 58 in Ken Palm right now, there are eight Pac 12 teams. Right. Uh, Arizona's above all of that. They're 16th. I think they're the favorite in the league right now. Um, I know that they're dealing with well, injuries. You think and Arizona's. Like
1: the, you've, been, you've been riding, you've been caping up for Oregon. What changed, my man?
2: I picked Arizona to win the league to start the year. I said that Oregon was be, would be the second-place team. I think that uh, Oregon is very deserving of being uh, the second-place team right now. But uh, like I said, I, I've been on Arizona as the number one team all year. Uh, Oregon is very good. I think they can be like a five or six seed in the NCAA tournament, and I think that's higher than most people had them coming into the year. I had them as a top-25 team coming into the year, and nothing has changed as far as that. Mm. But – Uh, Arizona is just, they're a better defensive team right now that like this Arizona team looks very good defensively compared to what we expected coming into the year. Uh, you look at guys like Justin Simon, who are starting, starting to get a little bit more playing time. Alonzo Trier is playing a lot better over the last two weeks or so. Uh, as a scorer to kind of surround uh, Gabe York and Ryan Anderson. Uh, if they can get Caleb Tarzuski back, their defense will take another leap, I think, because Dusan Ristich has been uh, a little bit of a mess to the point where you'll see Sean Miller kind of play him, kind of won't, uh, depending on the day. So uh, this is a really good defensive team, and I, I think that that's going to carry them to the Pac-12 title.
0: Norlander, let me ask you this. Do You, you handle the Freshman of the Week stuff, right? I do. Um, somebody asked me this, and I didn't know the answer, and maybe you do. I, so I mentioned I was on sideline duty for CBS Sports Network for Memphis SEMO the other night, and Deidre Lawson had 28 points and like 14 rebounds. He's now averaging 16 points and 9 rebounds a game. Um, is that better than any other freshman outside of Ben Simmons?
1: uh off the top of my head i bet you it is but i usually do my uh i'm actually going to do the freshman of the year race our first thing that's going to debut tomorrow tuesday okay. at cbssports.com so we'll have the freshman of the week and we'll start to tally um the best performers so i'm set to do that i i can't think that there's another yeah, I, I don't think either. there's another freshman that is putting up more than 10 boards a game but if so that's listen huge um and lawson you know Really solid player. Uh I didn't realize that he was performing at that high a level, which Memphis will probably need from him yeah, it, it, most it, of the season.
0: Like that's one of the like they needed once Austin they needed him to be great no matter what, but once Austin Nichols transferred, they like really needed him to be great. He's averaging sixteen and nine. He's already had um I think two games in which he's grabbed more rebounds than any game Austin Nichols ever had at the University of Memphis in two years. Like he's really mm-hmm. um you know he's he's operating at a high level. He's shooting like forty-seven percent from the field. But yeah, six, sixteen and nine.
2: And uh, I, I think I that,
0: can tell you who else has that now.
2: It's Henry Ellenson. Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 Good, good. Uh-huh. Okay,
1: interesting. All right, Ellenson's that high, which isn't shocking because Ellenson's yeah. pretty well rounded overall. Yeah, yeah, super tight. Um Well, that Memphis will need him. I mean, listen, Memphis in general, they, you know, we'll we'll see. They they have a nice stretch of home games here that they're going to have to absolutely take because you gotta knock them all know. out you gotta win you gotta it. knock them all out because hard to see them going in South Carolina and winning I mean hey, they, they, game.
0: South Carolina's eight no do you believe in them like is this like I a, don't think I, is this a breakthrough for for Frank I know they haven't played anybody really but okay still,
1: I no. right so I ran down the undefeated teams on the site last week and South Carolina was in them and I did like a buy sell hold I did a hold on South Carolina um, they've been they've been good so far. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but in terms of believing in them and saying, you know, this is an undefeated team that should be a top four SEC team that should be competing for, say, a number six seed or better. I'm not going to necessarily go in on that at this point because their non-conference schedule is still kind of rough. 287 overall right now. Road game at Clemson on December 18th. They've got a nice little break here because of the finals, nice. so we're not going to see them for a while. Um, I I get the feeling with South Carolina, they get the Memphis win. We probably won't really buy into them or start paying significant attention and feeling a need to write about this team until or unless they knock off the likes of Vanderbilt and the SEC. Don't think they. I don't think they can be in Kentucky. I don't think they have the lineup to do that, to be honest with you. Uh, but A&M, Fandy. Um, LSU shouldn't necessarily be a challenge but I don't, no, I mean that's a long way of saying I'm not totally in but they were due for this kind of uh, rise, like the pattern showed that they were going to have an improved season this year, just with the roster they had coming back, Thornwell should still be a better player in my opinion he's not quite where he should be at but overall, hey, good on Frank Martin you know, he can definitely coach and it was just a matter of time but but I'm still not, I'm not saying for sure that they're going to be in the NCAA tournament
2: yeah, I mean, South Carolina right now, if you look at their schedule, they have one top 50 game until February 6th. Wow. Um, so so the schedule is just, there. there's not a lot to it. And even after that, they only have three uh, top 50 games on their schedule total, I believe, maybe four. They have four top 50 games total on their schedule. So, uh, I mean, we could be looking at like a 24-win team, 24, yeah, I'd say like 24 win team that really doesn't have much on their resume at all uh, from the SEC because the SEC so far this year has really struggled. Uh, Georgia's been a little bit worse than anticipated. Mississippi's been a little bit worse. Uh, just those those middling teams. LSU's obviously had its problems uh, so far. So it's going to be interesting to see where uh, where South Carolina fits in that mix. Uh, they might be this good? I mean, P.J. Dozier, from what I've seen, has been really good. I agree with Matt that Thornwell should be a little bit better than he is. Uh, but, I mean, you, you look at the two European guys whose names I can't even pronounce, mm-hmm. um, and Dwayne Notice is another guy that can really score. Uh, I like the idea of this team. I like what they have uh, on their roster and I like the way the pieces fit and they've really been defending. So, I think that there's a chance this team just really is an NCAA tournament team, but we probably won't know that until I guess the middle of February, maybe the end of February.
0: There were yeah. there were a couple of interesting games at least on paper last night. One was uh Baylor Vandy and it actually was a good game. Baylor won in the final minutes. Uh Vandy, I think Vandy's good. That's an SEC team that I, I actually think is good. They just, you know, they <laughs> it took a road loss. What are you gonna do? Um the other one was UNC Davidson, and I thought UNC would win, but like that's a not bad Davidson team. And Carolina ran them off the court, like beat them by 33 or something like that. Did you see that coming? Like it is it, like is Carolina nope. now looking like the preseason number one team? I didn't think I
1: didn't think anybody could could beat Davidson by thirty three, you know. That was fairly shocking, to be honest. I thought Carolina would win, and I was super in on Carolina after the way that it played against Maryland, and that was such a fun game last week. I just thought, all right. If Carolina can play like that consistently, then I will be in on their talent and their prospects overall as being like a clear-cut top-two team in the country overall. And then they follow that up by beating Davidson's a really good team, man. They're going to be near the top of the A-10. You had Jack Gibbs, who actually, in a really cool turn of events, he put up 41 points last week against Charlotte. And it just so happened that uh, the schedule allowed for the Golden State Warriors to be traveling to to be playing a game against the Charlotte Hornets. But on the off-night, Steph Curry was in town. So Curry goes to the game. And watch Gibbs go for 41. I thought that was a really, really cool thing. But they follow that up by just, and that's I think that's the worst loss of McKillop's career at uh, at Davidson. So a really, really, really bad one. But for Carolina, absolutely. Fully in. I With Paige on the floor, it's just, it's clear how, how big of a difference that that is. You know, he's just such a heady and composed player. I still don't think he's a top two or three point guard in the country, but I do think that what they need from him in that Carolina offense means so, so much. And I think he'll help the maturation process for Joel Berry, who is getting there, but not quite there. And, and Barry is a guy who will, you know, I think a year from now, I think we'll see Barry and what he's be able to, been able to become, uh, under Paige's tutelage, I think this is a, a vital year because Carolina is going to be nowhere near next year what it is this year, but Barry could keep them afloat, so to speak. And then
0: Sam, um, tonight we got a great game. Uh, Oklahoma, Villanova playing each other in Hawaii. It'll be on Fox Sports 1. I think it tips at 7 Eastern. Uh, who wins that one?
2: <laughs> That's a coin toss. It really uh, is. It's, a, it's, it's a an, an awesome game. game, guys. Yeah, that is... For my money, I would rather watch those two teams play than watch Kentucky-Duke play like in the fourth game of the year just because these two teams are experienced. They uh, are really heady. I mean, you know what you're getting, and you know it's going to be a terrifically played basketball game. Uh, This this really could be the best game of the non-conference slate. Um, (laughs) As far as who wins, I'm going to go Oklahoma. I I would have them, I think, number four and number five on my non-existent AP poll ballot or whatever you want to call it, top 25 ballot. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that they're a complete team. They really defended a high level. They're a top five defensive team in the country. Uh, They really get out and get buckets in transition. And then in half court, Buddy Heald's been really, really, really good uh, handling the ball this year in a way that he hasn't been in the past. Uh, So I'm a really big fan of this Oklahoma team. I think that they – very well could be a final four type team uh but villanova also is on that level and uh from what we've seen from josh hart this year uh as a growth player who's averaging 15 points and seven rebounds a game uh as well as playing terrific defense uh he's really stepped right into that darren hilliard role and then you add the uh addition of Jalen Brunson, who's just been incredible. Uh, he, he's so heady, so smart. Uh, he can do basically everything that you ask a point guard to do on the basketball floor. Uh, this is They're both really great teams. I'm going to go Oklahoma by a hair, but uh, either way, wouldn't surprise me. And either way, I don't think that uh, this game will, uh, one way or the other, prove that either of these teams uh, aren't contenders at the end of the year. I think that it'll probably prove they both are.
1: Um, I want to chime in real quick on this. So the, here, this is just an awesome game, um, and not every game has to mean something in the big picture in college basketball. We understand that, but here's what I here's what I think. I, I'm going to take Villanova to win barely. I think it should be a, a stellar game, but given. That Villanova, I'm guessing Villanova won't get any. They're going to get challenged in the Big East, and they're going to take some. I think they're going to take a couple of losses in that league now because I just think it's it's stronger this year than it was last year, especially in the top half. And I'm not convinced. Like, while I think it's weird, I think Villanova could be as good as it was last year. I still think it might take more losses than it did last year. But if it wins tonight, whereas Oklahoma's got to deal with Kansas and possibly Iowa State, buying for a number one or number two seed, I think this is the kind of game where if Villanova gets it. Um, and I think both of these, I think both of these programs will basically be in the top ten by the time we get to Selection Sunday. This is the kind of game and the kind of outcome that could definitely have, you know, a deciding factor for the committee because they'll have a head-to-head to pit both against them against each other. If the resumes are very like-minded and they end up only finishing the season with, you know, three maybe four losses apiece, so I think that's pretty interesting because when we have these good non-conference games, and this is an interesting one because it's in Hawaii. Pearl Harbor anniversary and all of that. And I think this is a really cool uh, thing for college basketball to do. And I think the plan is for them to do this every year going forward. And just as another aside, I'm all about college basketball because of its schedule. Just embracing this idea of, you know, having games, the Armed Forces Classic, the Veterans Classic around Veterans Day, doing this kind of thing. You know, it's done. The, I know the games on the on the battleships were kind of a disaster in the past, but it, you know, college troops maybe hasn't gotten quite enough credit for embracing and recognizing um, the American armed forces in such a in such a cool way that I think is very organic and genuine. And uh, I hope something like this continues uh, as the years go on. But yeah, give me Nova very slightly. I think this is an amazing game. I I I would take Maryland NC last week over this one in terms of. Uh, hype and watchability but this is right Mm -hmm. there with it and i'd be shocked if this one wasn't close just because of the mere nature of how both teams play and villanova by the way the number one ranked defensive team in the country right now
0: Uh, before we get out of here some uh just heartbreaking news from uh the world of college basketball former butler big man andrew smith um uh, battle against cancer has taken another uh, terrible turn. Norlander, you wrote, uh, about him brilliantly, uh, at some point over the past year. And, um, you know, anytime you're exposed to that type of story, you just, I mean, you just hope for the best, you pray for the best. And, uh, and here we are, it's not, it's not going so well. I'll let you, uh, I'll let you update people.
1: Yeah, this, um, this is kind of brutal. Um, uh, no kind of about it. So yeah, Andrew Smith, in short, if you're not familiar with it, he was part of the Butler back to back Final Four teams, the center on that team. Just, you know, I guess if you want a definition of a glue guy kind of guy, Brad Stevens has said on multiple occasions that, legitimately, in terms of a toughness factor, he has never coached a player that can kind of match what Andrew Smith was. And he was a guy who wasn't even initially, when he was recruited, to be even on Butler's radar, but the, he impressed at like camps and workouts where he got Stevens' attention and all that stuff. So he graduates, goes on to a pro career. And yeah, he he discovered a lump in his neck when he was overseas and, and, you know, got a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis after he came back home, had a cardiac arrest episode last July where he literally was dead for 22 minutes and somehow not only survived. But when you go into cardiac arrest, your oxygen is not going to the brain. So normally if you're even on the floor for five minutes, you will have some sort of serious brain uh, degeneration and you know in, in inability of motor skills, speaking skills that can last uh, for the rest of your life somehow, Andrew Smith was on the floor for twenty two minutes and was able to walk out of the hospital days later without any effects it's it's ridiculously unbelievable, so he beats all the cancer stuff uh, as of December of last year. I wrote the story and then I got him in i I felt little tinges of guilt here in having written his story when he was fully healthy at the time and then since then. He was re-diagnosed. The cancer came back over the summer, and his wife sent out an update on her personal blog that went live on Monday. Um, He'd gotten a bone marrow transplant to fight it. He was in the hospital for 33 days. He went home a week ago, and they were home all of not even 48 hours. Um, Something was clearly amiss. He now has leukemia. Um, His wife is just a, a saint and an angel, and she's you know she was very blunt. Uh, you can read the headline, the story on the site about the latest uh, that I put up, and it links to her blog entry. And she's she's just you know she's saying it's as dire as it's ever been. Um, they're looking at hospitals and treatment centers around the country that he might not be able to go to. Um, but yeah, the uh, the bone marrow transplant did not take, and uh, his body has turned him against him again. The guys, just 25. It is just uh it is just a gut-wrenching story i mean i just it, it breaks your heart um it's very frustrating. it's like crazy like i write the story and it's impossible to write a story like that and not then suddenly feel like you're part of it in some way just because of all the interviews i did and and going out to indianapolis and meeting with him and and sam and his father and his family and all that and uh really hope he can beat this man it's just it's unfair he does not deserve this it is just simply ridiculous that this um fight has has taken on its most daunting challenge yet it just so that's the latest i just felt compelled to to share um all of that um send your thoughts and prayers he's at university hospital in indianapolis in indianapolis if there are any um butler fans that want to you know send well wishes or perhaps a card you can uh certainly i don't think that they would necessarily say no to that stuff but overall just uh send thoughts and prayers because he could use them in I really hope he can get through this but it's it's tough. They're looking at options. It's not, you know, completely dire at this point, but it's definitely as as scary and as life-threatening now as it's ever been. And the irony of that is that he was literally discharged from the hospital a week ago and 48 hours later he had to go back in. And-
0: you can find the the updated story that Norlander just filed earlier on Monday. Um, of course over on the website at cbssports.com remember uh, you can subscribe to the ion college basketball podcast over at itunes that's the uh, best way to get your hands on the uh, the latest episode as quickly as possible so go go knock that out and uh, we're going to talk to you again later on this week take care